five seconds to submergence. Submergence deep into the absurd. Alright, we are back for another episode of Into the Absurd. We have a very, very, very special guest today. Madison Petersheim. She's my girlfriend. And we're here to talk about nursing. Her first love, other than me, Disney. (laughs) And we're going to talk about this movie that we just watched called Shack or The Shack, which is based off of a book. Uh, Maddie is Christian. She believes in God. She believes in Jesus. And The Shack has a nuanced view on Christianity that I actually really like. And of course, as you guys probably know, I'm agnostic on religious situations. But The Shack is a very special movie. I highly encourage anyone and everyone to watch this movie it's great kind of just shows the philosophy of christianity um on a side outside of just believing in god and believing jesus and believing all that stuff's real it kind of has a philosophy of self-forgiveness letting things go and just loving yourself and loving your family and uh, just loving life so welcome hello it's good to have you here Thanks. Well, so you're from Indiana. Yep. Yeah. I mean, I lived there until like I was only like 10. So I was like half raised there, half raised here. What's it like kind of just, I guess, packing up and just moving to a totally new place that you've never been to? Oh, it sucks. Yeah, I think I took a real big hit on my like personality and my anxiety and how I grew up and stuff. Yeah, that'd be really scary just growing up. Well, like kind of just having your whole life shift upside down. Like how long was there any warning to when you would move? Um, I think we had maybe a month warning. My parents told me before we were like, hey, we're peacing out. Oh, that sucks. Yeah. I mean, Idaho is a lot better. No, I will say Idaho is a lot better. Definitely a lot better. I'm glad I moved here. But I never really had a good friend group in elementary school, middle school. Well, I did in Indiana, but when I moved here, everyone kind of already established friend groups. So I kind of was just a little lone butterfly. Yeah. As you may. Yeah, no, that'd be really scary. But and then you found Disney. And then I found Disney. Well, my love for Disney didn't really actually happen till 2020. Okay. Um, when you went to Disneyland? Disney, yeah, I went to Disney World. I was supposed to go to Greece with my mom for my graduation from college. And obviously that didn't happen with COVID and the pandemic and everything yeah. being closed down. So she's like, why don't we just go to Disney World? And I'm like, okay. And it was fun, obviously. Did you go to Epcot? Of course I went to Epcot. Oh, yeah. 
what do you think makes people happy when they go to like Disneyland or Disney World and stuff like that? Well, I can tell you what makes me happy. I don't know about other people, but okay. um, I guess I just like feeling like a kid. It's like a care- really carefree environment where you can just go ride rides, eat food, and just hang out with a bunch of people who like Mickey Mouse. <laughs> <laughs> do you think there's a correlation to, say, having such a high-stress job you're a nurse and you take care of people and people's lives depend on you and having all that responsibility and then, you know, finding pleasure and joy in going to a place where you have no responsibility and you're a kid. Absolutely. That's why I love going on vacations and stuff because I like to be able just to feel like a 20 something year old and just relax and not feel like the weight of the world is on my shoulders all the time. And, like, do you find, say, like, do you find some kind of, like, I know it sounds cheesy, but do you find some kind of spiritual value from going to Disneyland? Like, do you feel, I guess, enriched somehow when you're there? I mean, I would say so. I feel like it's definitely spiritual because I think it's, I I wasn't able to do a lot. I mean, we were able to do a lot as kids, but my family growing up we weren't like we didn't have a lot of extra money so we weren't able to do all these crazy things like go to disneyland or disney world so like finally experiencing going to these places was kind of a spiritual awakening of my childhood of a aspect of my childhood that i never was able to fully experience oh wow i didn't really think of it that way so it's kind of like there's parts of your childhood that you weren't able to experience and by going there it kind of brought those out oh yeah completely like we went to six flags we did did things but i think when you grow up like in the age that we grew up or even people now like you watch a lot of disney movies you disney's a big part of your life no matter if you're male female or what gender you uh, proclaim to be <laughs> Well, they did buy Marvel, so, and Star Wars, so they kind of, they had all the girls swayed with all the princesses, and now all the boys, all the boys are Disney, Disney now. Oh, yeah. Definitely. I I just think, basically, like, I keep saying the word like, I'm going to go, I'm going to show my Gen Z side right now. Um. I think just being able to experience something I wasn't able to experience as a child makes me want it even more. Wait, want <laughs> to have children? <laughs> no. Or want Disneyland? Want to go to like Disneyland and Disney World because I like feeling like goofy oh. like a kid and being able to act like I am five years old again. Yeah, no, I love acting like I'm five years old. But, I mean, as you know, I do that all the time. <laughs> you don't need Disney to do that. Yeah. Uh, I do think that there's some profound philosophical messaging in Disney movies, specifically Pixar movies. Oh, yeah. Not as much in Disney movies. There are, like, some sweet things in Disney movies. But I do think Pixar definitely has much deeper themes 
Okay, even like going back to like the Toy Story, like one of the first like Pixar movies, I think it just showed like starting with friendships. And I feel like it almost grew up with us because even just the movie we just saw, Elementals, was about like romance and falling in love. Yeah. And I feel, I don't know, it feels like it, it grew up with us and we were able to experience things that it was correlating with when we were like at that age. Yeah, that's kind of how Harry Potter was written. And, well, that's interesting because Inside Out is kind of about being a teenager and the Elementals comes out. And that's about being, say, our age or, you know, when you're 18, 19. Mm-hmm. Of course, Soul is kind of more of a... A lonesome wolf, if you yeah. will. Yeah, that's kind of a lone wolf movie. Um, What is your... If you had to pick one... Actually, I think I, isn't your favorite Inside Out of the Pixar movies? I do like Inside Out, but I cried a lot more during Elementals than I did with Inside Out. Yeah. But then there's Up, and is Up considered a Pixar movie? Yes, it is. Yes, okay. And I think Up is just a classic. You cry no matter what. First ten minutes, you're a goner. But Elementals, I mean, I think I cried before the movie even started. <laughs> So do you think there's, like, I guess in that movie, it's about these two people who are totally opposite, but somehow um, they're able to make it work, mm-hmm. basically. Uh, do you think that, do you think it's better to be with someone that is different than you, in a sense? But you're still like you're still attracted to them, obviously. I think it depends on the person and what they need out of life. Like for me, I feel like I do need someone who's a little bit more opposite because it allows me to grow and to be more open minded and think differently. But someone else may need someone who's more like them to be able to like go along with life, and they have common denominators, and it makes everything easier. Me personally, I don't, I don't want that. Maybe you need a little struggle. Like, you know, if they just thought the same way, you might be kind of boring. What good is life if you don't have the bad times, too? Yeah, and also I think you can kind of find yourself in an echo chamber if you're with someone who believes the exact same things as you. Because then you'll, like, you'll compound on each other and that could lead to, I don't know, just some really poor ways of thinking about the world. Yeah, you get, like, very tunnel vision in a sense you kind of forget that there's other perspectives and other opinions and different cultures and different things in the world besides just what you're experiencing yeah well and elementals was a very like romeo and juliet kind of movie because you know they were in two families that didn't quite accept each other although i guess the water people were chill with the fire fire girl but um but then they kind of just, you know, whatever. We're going to make it work. It's also, I love the the idea of fire and water falling in love. Um, and it's also kind of a very, like, this passionate, angry person with this, like, very sad, emotional person. <laughs> I wonder uh, who that reminds you of. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but um, what is... Like something that you picked up from a Disney movie that 
kind of moved you, I guess, in a sense? I mean, we can start from the beginning. Like Cinderella and those kind of movies, they gave me this idea of love that made me a very big romantic and cheesy person. But then as I grew up, we came more like Moana and Tiana and that kind of stuff. And it showed me that Tiana? I need... Um, oh, gosh. What's that movie called? Um, Princess and the Frog. Oh, yeah. Yeah. A great movie. Yeah. And I think it showed me that, yes, you can have the cheesy side and the romantic side, but you also can be independent and you don't need don't need no man to come into your life and just to make it better basically hell no no need no man yeah and i i think those movies i mean they're really good like i'd say they're really good for women growing up too just to kind of like see that hey you know, I'm an independent woman. I can do things on my own. Like, I don't need no man, right? But you can still, you know, have a loving relationship with someone. Yeah, and like, Tiana, she, I don't know, I also don't know what that guy's name is. I've only seen that movie, like, once. But she was able to start her own life and move on with life. And he was just kind of there and helped her. And I think that it showed what a healthy relationship is like and, like, you don't necessarily need another person, but it's nice to have someone to support you and help you through the obstacles. Yeah. And I mean, especially in that Elementals movie, the the water guy, I forgot his name, but he would, no matter what the fire girl threw at him, he would just like stand by her no matter what. And I think that's um, very important for at least one person in a relationship to have that quality. Just so, I mean, they can work it out and be together. Yeah. This is totally out of the blue, but do you realize how close they are to, like, correlating to, like, um, the star signs and stuff? Like, Aries is that fiery, passionate fire sign. And, like, Cancer is a water. And they're very emotional and cry. And, like, they very they correlate very well with, like, their uh, their star signs. As you will. Yeah, I don't know a whole lot about astrology. I don't either. Yeah, we'd have to get your your <laughs> sister in law. Oh yeah, she would know. Phone. She would know. Yeah, I, I do find astrology very interesting. I think it's. I mean, I don't think it's real, but I do think that our ancestors had a profound knowledge of astronomy and the way that the stars moved, and they just knew that the stars had somewhat of an effect on the earth. So like, for instance, if they saw the stars moving in a certain way, they could predict if there was going to be a meteor shower or something that, and meteors were to strike into the earth. So they knew that like paying attention to the stars was very important for how they could predict the future and what would happen on earth. And it's also sort of like a time capsule in a sense where you could look up at the stars and see where they're at. Uh, and then you could kind of trace that back later in the future. So like if I wanted a culture a hundred thousand years from now to know 
when an event happened today in this modern time, then I could just look up at the stars and see where everything's placed and then draw that on a map. And then 100,000 years from now, they could look at that map and see where their stars were and then basically track down, track back time to see what year that is. If that, I know it sounds confusing, <laughs> but I think the reason why astrology is so, why it was so important in the past is that they've, they paid a lot more attention to the stars and they could see how that affected them in their daily lives. I think today it's a lot of like, oh, this star being here means that you're going to be sad today. I think that's a lot of like, you know, probably not true. But the idea of it is really cool and it's just fun to like it's just fun to look into it. Oh, we do, we don't need it. We probably don't need it as much as they did back then. Like yeah. we have technology and like and like weather forecasters and all that kind of stuff to say that we we don't really need it. But people back then didn't have that, so they relied more on it too help them and also yeah. probably entertain them because yeah. it's fun looking at the stars and like know when a solar eclipse is or know if like winter is coming early or stuff like that yeah yeah um so we were talking about talking earlier when we were going to the gym we were talking about how in a relationship you kind of start off with having the feelings of love and obviously you have those feelings of love throughout the relationship but you don't always feel love for another person, but you can still choose to love them and to give them your love and to give them your all. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think I showed you the TikTok. I mean, I'm a big TikToker, another Gen Z quality of me. Um, but I think it was basically saying that this daughter was asking her mom, like, how did she know her dad was the one? And her mom's like, I didn't know he was the one. I choose for him to be the one because I choose to be in love with him. I choose to like love him. And I choose to be with him and choose him through all the bad and good and ugly. And I think really having the idea of like choosing your partner and choosing to love him is a lot easier than saying I'm falling in love. I'm, always in love with him and he's the one because he gave me butterflies on the first date or whatever yeah well you have to make that choice every day i mean just like you can choose to be nice to people or you can like choose to like give your job your all or you can choose to you can kind of just choose to love yourself too and to put in the work to have self-care or improve yourself or find more love for your passions and stuff like that. And all in all, love, a love is a choice. Oh, yeah. I think it definitely helps to, like, obviously have those feelings of admiration and attraction yeah. towards someone, obviously, because that's what makes love basically what love is. But... Choosing to st continue to love him on days where you pissed off at him or annoyed with him is just as important as choosing to love him when it's easy. Yeah, and I guess this kind of brings us to the shack in many ways. 
um, but specifically in the sense that you can choose to love yourself and you can choose to forgive other people. And you can also choose to recognize that you don't know what is good and what is evil because everyone thinks that they knows what good and evil is and it's subjective. So you can't really like judge other people either. I don't know what's, I guess you grew up Christian. Mm -hmm. And did you kind of have the same ideas that were in the shack prior to watching the movie? I think my faith in stuff has evolved over time. Like my view on Christianity and God and stuff was very, I don't want to say mainstream, but very what people think of Christians, like going to church, going to Sunday school, praying, that kind of thing. It was a lot of that growing up. But I think over time, especially going to college and stuff where I went to college, it has allowed me to more broaden my range of what I think Christianity is and what I think faith in God is. If that makes any sense. And and what is it? <laughs> um I mean basically I I think having being a Christian is less about going to church and praying to God and more about showing God's love and showing love to the universe and its people because we ultimately are not the big judger and at the end of it all I don't think we have the mental capacity to as humans to make the final decision because that's a big responsibility and who wants to have that kind of responsibility to say whether you're going to hell or you're going to go to heaven only god can do that so even i don't think even jesus has that kind of capability it's ultimately up to god and i guess uh, also in the sense that like a human being could not possibly know what's good and what's evil because everyone thinks of it a different way yeah it's such a such a gray area like i don't want to like seem like a poop head here but like people who like muslim like hardcore like muslims in the middle east who are doing about what we consider to be bad stuff they think they're doing for the right things and it's hard for us to say yeah i mean it's awful that they're killing people but yeah in a sense we're also killing people so well i really love the part of the movie where the protagonist i forgot his name do you remember his name well i was just going to say that i love the part of the movie where the protagonist is speaking to god and he says something along the lines of oh even though they sinned or they were bad people you're not going to send them to hell and then he she says well, no, sin is a punishment in and of itself. And I really love that idea because it's like it 
just shows that we suffer when we do things that aren't good or we suffer when like we all suffer and we all experience bad things we all make the wrong decisions but regardless of that you know we're we're only human and we make mistakes and we don't fully know what it is that we're doing when we make our decisions i mean yeah i think god fully expected us to sin i don't think he expected us to be perfect and as a christian that's why i believe jesus died on the cross and it's we will continue to sin like you said it's just it's inevitable that we're going to suffer and make bad decisions and i think in of itself being able to talk to god and have some like quote unquote someone forgive you for it is a big part of why people have faith because that's a lot of weight to carry if you carry around your bad decisions with you for the rest of your life. Mm. So it's nice to be able to like be forgiven in a sense. Yeah. Well, and a lot of people aren't able to forgive themselves and they aren't able to love themselves. So they like, they need to channel their self-forgiveness and their self-love through a God, specifically Jesus. And so that they're able to do that and they can let go of the bad things they've done or let go of their guilt, let go of the past basically and look forward to the future. Yeah. I mean, I agree. And I think that is a very special thing. And just from like a, like even just from a philosophical perspective, I think it's a very profound message that, hey, no matter what you do, you will be loved. Yeah. And basically, how that movie talks about Christianity and love and stuff is how I view it. I don't even know. Should we explain a little bit of what the movie is about? Oh, yeah, sure. Uh, Basically, it's about a dad whose daughter was murdered and his um, coming coming back or rebirth with, like, faith and religion and Christianity and stuff because he questions, like, every Christian probably has at some point or every person has at some point, like, how can a God that's supposed to be all-loving and all-powerful allow something so awful to happen to a little girl and i think it explained explained that there's really no good explanation for it but like i don't really have an explanation for it which that's what the movie's about sorry going on another rampage there but like that's what the movie is basically about well it seemed that the message was that god doesn't really have any control over whether or not something bad happens to you or not and god experiences your suffering through your eyes and experiences all the suffering of every human being and it's very painful but there's it's not there to change things for you it's just there to love you 
It, it seemed like yeah. that's what the movie was yeah, saying. Yeah, no, it basically, yeah. I mean, there was a scene where Jesus showed his wrist and there were scars on it. And then you learn, turn to see this character called God Papa. Um, there's scars on God's wrist as well. And it just shows that you're not suffering alone. And I, I like that thought because a lot of times when humans are suffering, they feel like they're completely alone and no one understands them. Yeah. But it's nice to know that even though God doesn't stop suffering from happening to us, he's going to suffer right there with us. Yeah, and that's very similar to the Buddhist idea that we're all basically, we're all God living lives as human beings so like god experiences all human suffering all human joy experiences all the infinite lives of humanity and so say when you go and you hurt someone you're also hurting yourself because you're also that person you're everyone so it it's a very similar idea and that's like and I, I heard that idea, obviously, before I heard of this idea in the movie. So I was seeing the whole thing through that lens, which obviously isn't the same. But Yeah, I mean, basically, in a sense, it's like that. I think of it more of like God's with us and yeah. not that we are God ourselves, but more of just he's with us. Like he's a little... I always imagined it as a kid, like a little Jesus just sitting on my heart or a little God just chilling on my heart. Yeah. Well, I guess in this sense, it's more like uh, what I'm saying is more like, say, God's the tree and we're the leaves. So like the tree feels the leaves getting hurt, but the tree still isn't the leaf, but we're a part of the tree. Yeah. If that makes any sense. No, yeah, it's basically what it's like probably I would imagine for a mother to watch their children getting hurt. And that's basically what the, I think yeah. the whole thing of the movie was and what God was trying to say was Yeah. You're all my children and I suffer when you suffer. I cry when you cry. I love when you love. Like there was a part of this movie where God told the main character that he loves or she, she loves in this scene but we'll get to that part in a minute but like she likes watching um the main character through the main character's eyes how he views his children and views mm -hmm. them and stuff because the main character asked like why don't you why are you asking me questions about my children when you know about my children already and she was like well i just like watching and hearing through your perspective what it's like to watch and see your kids yeah, and uh, I love the part in the movie when he's asked to basically, like when he's questioning why God's allowing all these things to happen and why God didn't like make that the murder of his daughter go to hell or whatever. Um, he's asking all these questions and then Wisdom tells him, hey, um, here are your two kids, which it wasn't actually his two kids, but like uh, 
I guess, a hallucination of his, or he like made his two kids out of thin air or whatever and was like, hey, uh, you have to choose one to go to hell, one to get heaven. And then the protagonist is like, no, I'm not going to choose that. Choose me instead. And then, and then Wisdom said, okay, well, now you see what it's like to be God. And that's why I say, for, for my understanding of that, that's uh, from a Christian lens of looking at things that's akin to why Jesus is taking in all the suffering instead of allowing, say, God's children to take that suffering. Yeah, that's basically why he died on the cross is he would rather take all, take that all and take basically going to hell in order for us to live the lives we do with, without, well, we live with sin, but like not take the full consequences of it because he's taking it on himself. In my in my perspective, I mean, every every Christian, every person with religious yeah. views has a different point of view of that. But mm -hmm. so you obviously have a lot of love. <laughs> I guess I do. Yeah. So why did you become a nurse? Oh boy. Um. Well, I mean, I initially went to college to become a doctor. Because I'm nerdy and like putting puzzles together, basically being a doctor is putting puzzles together. How so? Well, you you come upon a person with all these different symptoms and you have to place them to see. You have to put all the puzzle pieces together to yeah. get the big picture of what their diagnosis is. But I worked um, in an ER for a couple of years as an emergency department technician and realized that there's a human behind this puzzle. And with the human comes the suffering and the pain in a story. And I have learned that I'm more of a people person than I am a puzzle put together. For... <laughs> I don't know. I like talking with people, which is funny because I'm not really much of a people person outside of work. Well, you like helping people. I do like helping people. That is a decent part of my job. Specifically children. And babies, yes. Yeah. Is there, I guess, what's the most, what was the most difficult experience uh, working in the medical field for you? Um, I think it's hard to... At least be in the room. At least I have never had to experience this doing it myself. Yeah. But being in the room when the doctor or the nurse tells the patient's loved one that they're basically brain dead and there's yeah there's no chance of them surviving. Yeah, that would suck. <laughs> it's definitely not fun. I was in the room one time when a doctor told a patient they had cancer and I'm like, um, I don't really want to be here for this. Can I just like peace out for a second and then come back because yeah you're I'm basically sorry. in the room when in the moment with the person when their whole life changes but on the other side of it when i've watched babies be born you're there when a good thing happens at least most of the time it's good yeah and you kind of so now you kind of see the good side of things most of the time huh 
I do. Yeah. Um, Except for obviously when you have parents who do drugs and stuff. Oh yeah, and they're assholes. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's just that just comes with the job. Um, I think a really cool perspective is something I've noticed, at least in the hospital. You're in a place where people die, obviously, but you're also in a place where people are born, and it's just. Yeah. In the same moment, somebody could be dying as someone's being born. It's just crazy. You kind of see that full circle of life. Yeah. You know, my favorite Disney movie is The Lion King. <laughs> and I I love the concept of um like dying and getting returned to the earth, which is why I've always been attracted to uh being buried without a coffin, without any preservatives or anything. Just in the ground with like in the forest, basically. I've always loved that idea. Um, it'd be expensive and a hassle, though, for whoever has to bury me <laughs> so they can just cremate me. That's fine. But um, do you like I know that you believe in ghosts. Ooh, we're going to get spooky here. <laughs> do you ever feel like there is a presence in the hospital? Have you ever had any? super anything supernatural you think happened there oh constantly in the pediatric unit there's this room where literally lights go off alarms go off in that room at like 2 3 a.m it's freaky but more spiritually obviously i work in the er i've done codes and i've done compressions on people there have been multiple times where i feel like as i'm doing compressions i can literally see the person's like spirit energy or whatever you want to call it like leave their body leave their body it's kind of i want to say i mean yeah it's freaky but it's a really cool kind of realization or moment of like wow we only all are here for really just a short period of time compared to yeah. the grand big scheme of things mm-hmm. well it's kind of like when a car turns off Like, you can kind of just, you turn it off, and then all of a sudden, the engine isn't going anymore. You're like, oh, yeah, this thing is gone. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. I mean, I guess it's more akin to when the battery goes dead. But. And you can't revive it no matter how many times you keep turning the engine, trying to turn over the engine. Yeah. What's that like to give compressions to someone? gotta be scary i wouldn't say scary i i mean in in the aftermath it is but in the initial like moment you're doing it you kind of like at least for me i zone out i think of it more of as a task at that time it's it's what you have to do because if you're getting too emotional with it you're not going to be able to do your job but that makes sense yeah i kind of go um robot basically which is good you think robots will ever replace nurses? <laughs> um, let's say it like this. I think they can replace doctors decently easily. Decently easily? Pretty easily. But nurses, no. Mm, of course, a nurse would say that. <laughs> <laughs> Who would want a robot as a nurse? I mean, yeah, there'd be less errors, but... Well, it's okay. Once me and my buddy were arguing about... a. Uh who whose job would be replaced first and then he's like oh like customer service people will never be replaced a robot would never be able to give the same kind of 
um, I guess, response. Like a chat GPT, advanced version chat GPT would never be able to give the exact kind of nuanced response that I would be able to give. And then I was like, oh, okay. And then he was like, but data analytics, yeah, they'll be able to get rid of that easily. <laughs> and I'm like, what? Like, a robot wouldn't be able to do what I do. And, like, I feel like everyone thinks that a robot wouldn't be able to do. Obviously, a nurse is a lot more complicated than these two jobs. Um, but I definitely think a robot could take my job and his job oh. easily within th the next, like, five years. I feel like a lot of responses I get from customer service places, like, off of Amazon are automatic, automatic like, responses from... I don't want to say a robot, but like from the company. Yeah. I mean, if a robot's given enough data, it could do a lot of stuff. Um, it's just a matter of what data you give it, if the data is accurate, et cetera, et cetera. And that's why I don't think it'd be able to take over a nurse because being a nurse is very, very nuanced, critical thinking in the moment, yeah. thinking like you're given this situation. Like, mm -hmm. yeah. I think eventually. They will take over every job. Oh, yeah. But it's just a matter of time. And I think it'll take a long, long time before it takes over medical job. Me like, even won't just medical in your field. Lifetime. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, is there, like, have you gotten any sort of profound, I guess, life advice from working as a nurse? Um, I don't think I was a nurse, but in the ER, I'd always ask, like, the elderly, they'd always say, well, I've been with my partner for this amount of years. <laughs> and I'd be like, well, like, what makes a good relationship? Like, what makes a healthy relationship to you? And I've, I've gotten some obscene comments. Um, good sex. Basically, yeah. And I think the main one that I follow through with is just have fun yeah don't well, take choose love right choose love basically yeah don't take it so seriously but then of course good sex is always a good part of it too <laughs> yes yeah and it, well i think yeah just have fun with it obviously you know that i have problems taking things seriously <laughs> i'm a very serious person um so you have issues with that with not taking it seriously I have issues because I take it seriously. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I need to take things less seriously. I'm really bad with sarcasm. Probably because I'm autistic. Oh my <laughs> lord. <laughs> um, hey, who knows? That's I call. I told you this, but I call like my faith and my religion very like hippie. Because I'm just all about love and having fun and yeah, vibing. If you want to call it that. And. But I guess you do have to take your job very seriously. I mean, yeah. But I guess at the same time, if you take it too seriously, then you might mess up. Because if you're like going by the book 24-7, you'll probably make an error at some point. That's why, yeah, going like by policy and procedure, you're kind of tunnel vision. You have to think outside of the, you have to look outside. Um, of what's like right in front of you and think yeah about the abs absurd yeah parts of 
the human body. Yeah, or like the the unexpected things that might happen. Yeah, that's where you have to be good at critical thinking. Well, what's the craziest thing that's ever happened? <laughs> the craziest thing? Yeah. Um. I know some dude burned alive or something. Oh yeah, that guy. He did burn himself alive. Um, that's probably really crazy. I've seen a lot of drunk people. Um, yeah, it just really depends what you mean by crazy. Uh, how did this guy burn alive? <laughs> well, I can't give too many, too many details, but I can That's kind okay. of, um, I can, I can, he basically just, I, from what I understand, just lit himself on fire just because he was so pissed off at life and stuff. Wow. Not a good way to go, guys. No. 10 out of 10 would not recommend that. Well, he definitely didn't choose to love himself. That's for sure. Although fire is the sign of passion. That's sure. It's a very passionate way to go. Would you rather burn alive or drown? Literally my two biggest fears of how I'm going to die are burning alive and drowning. Um... I'd rather drown. I'd rather drown. Yeah, I've heard it's painful to drown, but it's, I think it's faster. It'd be scary, though. It'd be really scary. Not to being drown. able to breathe. Yeah. No matter how hard you fight. Ugh. No, no, thank you. Have you, I guess, so you've seen The Lion King, right? Have I seen The Lion King? That's a like, question. As far as the circle of life goes and whatnot, do you have any, like, do you think that there's a certain balance in the world, like, with life? And, like, being in the hospital, you kind of see, like you were saying earlier, you see the two sides. Do you think there's, like, a certain equilibrium, I guess, that the planet has? I think there used to be. I think now we try so hard to keep people alive instead of letting them die when they probably yeah. should be dying. It's why we're so overpopulated right now and why we were so worried about COVID. I'm, like these viruses and these things come because we need people to die. Like in order for us to live, people need to die. Yeah, I think there was... I heard this on the Tangentially Speaking podcast. The host, Chris Ryan, was telling this story about this um, Native American boy who went out hunting and he killed this deer. And he brought it home to his grandpa and he was just bawling, crying. And then grandpa's like, why are you sad? Well, this deer is dead. I killed it. And the grandpa says, well, in order for something to live, something else must die. I mean, if we look at animals, they're like, I feel like the foundation of Earth and what life should be like. And they're very non, I don't want to say non-emotional, but just very yeah. circle of life. Yeah. And in order for them to live, they have to kill things. I mean, even the people or the herbivores. They have to 
I mean, not kill trees, but they have to eat plants, and they have to, in a sense, that kills them. In a sense, when the sun's, like, shooting rays of light of the earth, the atoms are, the hydrogen atoms are, in a sense, dying to make helium, right? And because they fuse together to make helium, obviously the atoms are still there. But, you know, that creates that ray of energy that then powers all the plants on Earth. Yeah, I I think we try too hard to keep people alive. And I think a lot of that's just because people are so afraid of dying. And we're so afraid of the natural world. And we want to separate ourselves from death in many ways. And I think a lot of that's just, you know... People don't, a lot of people don't know how to go about conquering their fears or loving themselves, right? And I think when you can't love yourself, you're also unable to conquer fear. I think it's also because they don't want to, because why would they want to conquer something that they're not comfortable with? And it's yeah i had a thought that i just completely thought and now it's like gone into existence i think people oh people are comfortable and yeah until they're given a circumstance where they're uncomfortable and have to face those fears they don't realize they need to face those fears until it yeah it's like right there yeah nothing will like you can take away someone all their freedom but if they're comfortable they won't care or they'll care, but they won't give up their comfort. And I think um, it's something that's also talked about a lot in the book Brave New World. I don't know if have you read that. I feel like I've heard of it, but I don't think I read it. I've I've talked about it with you, but it's basically about. Um, I'll just explain it. It's about this dystopian society where everyone gets what they want. Uh, babies are born in test tubes. Oh, yes, yes. So there's basically no family. Um, Everyone belongs to everyone else, sexually and emotionally. So everyone's basically in a relationship with everyone else. Um, So they basically just have unlimited sex. They're given drugs to make them happy, like constantly happy. This perfect drug that just makes you happy 24-7. And they just do their assigned jobs and all that. But they're con- the point is they're constantly comfortable, and that's how they're controlled. Um, and in our modern-day society, we're given so many things to make us feel comfortable. Um, TVs, our video games, our vacations, uh, drugs even. We're given drugs to prescribe drugs. Um, and all these things that just make us comfortable and not willing to conquer our fears and not willing to be free whereas people in uh, developing countries they aren't comfortable and so they also aren't afraid of death either or at least to the degree that we are and so they're able to be free without being say superimposed by um other people's rules or whatever like they're willing to fight back that's why we see rebellions in developing countries and not as much in countries like america or 
uh, Russia, etc. I think it's also because, like, we don't... Like, in your Brave New World movie, they don't... My thing is, how can you value something when you don't know what the bad portion of it is? Yeah. The bad of it is. So people yeah. like it in other countries, they're... They've seen, they've, I would assume, have seen bad. So they. Yeah. So they'd be grateful. Yeah. And they're more, they value, I feel like, life more. So they know, yeah, in order for me to be rebel and for me to possibly die, I need to do that for other other people's lives to be better. Yeah. And I think having that gratitude is, I mean, very important, not only for being happy but also being able to just like we were talking about earlier just being able to choose love more easily it's easy to love when um when you're you're vulnerable because when people are comfortable and they have what they need and they're totally self-sufficient they don't really need other people and because they don't need other people they don't have to choose to love other people either Whereas when you're given a bad situation, people are the only thing that you've got because you might not have food, might not have water, you might not have a place to stay. But if you still have the people you love around you, then that that makes a difference. Yeah, completely. I think in a sense, like at least in my my personal life, um, I value and respect like you i respect and value you for instance because of the bad relationships i've been in and the bad situations i've been in so when you're given something so good you i think you have more value for it yeah especially when you've gone through hell i think there's a quote it's something like uh a tree will only a tree that grows to heaven has its roots in hell. Like you won't experience heaven unless you've also experienced tremendous hell in your life. Yeah. And I think that's also part of like why God I wanna say allow not allows us to have control, but a small part of why bad things happen to us. Because why would we need him if our life's completely good and great. I think that's also another reason why say it's like statistically it's statistically proven that people, wealthier people are less generous. Um and like people who aren't wealthy, like poor people are more generous, which is so <laughs> strange. Backwards. Yeah, so backwards <laughs> because uh when you're, I was, I was also listening to this on a podcast the other day, uh, where when you have to depend on other people, like when you need other people, you're going to be more generous because you, you need other people. So you need to be nice to people. You need to be good to them. You need to be generous because you might also need them later too. Whereas a rich person doesn't need other people at all. So they don't need to be generous. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I think it's also because poor people have been in other poor people's shoes. So they. Yeah. 
I want to say that are more forgiving and more understanding and people who I'm not saying all rich people because there are probably rich people who are so giving and stuff. But I think it may be for a different reason than when poor people or middle class people give. So what do you think is the value of forgive of forgiveness, of forgiving someone? Of being the forgiver, not being the forgiven. I feel like it's almost for more yourself than it is for the other person. I feel like you need to forgive yourself. Like, yeah, I'd love for it to be somebody to apologize to me for bad stuff they've done to me, but how can they forgive me if they don't forgive themselves first? Yeah. But then also, if they don't think something was wrong in the first place, then they don't they feel like they don't need to forgive themselves but that's a whole different issue down the yeah <laughs> down the road but i think the value in it is basically like if you forget can forgive yourself then you probably have a lot of self-love because it takes a lot of a lot of shit to be able to love yourself enough to forgive yourself well i also think if you can forgive yourself you can forgive anyone yeah, and maybe that's why I don't I don't easily forgive a lot of people. I think it comes back around to me. Well, it's also hard to it's hard to let go of things too, you know. And sometimes it takes years before you can forgive someone or let something go. Um and I think no matter what, everyone's gonna have problems with that. Yeah. I think it just depends the person. Me, I'm a very, you know, I'm a very emotional person. So when I love, I love hard. But when I'm sad and hate, I also hate hard. Uh, so we watched Inside Out together a few weeks ago. What do you think you like? What are some things that you picked up from that movie? from a philosophical psychological perspective that I think, meant something to you i think the main theme of the movie is that yeah being happy all the time is great having those happy core memories is great but you also need sadness and anger and disgust just as equally to be able to be human and have emotions like you can't repress your emotions. No. If you repress your emotions, you're going to end up in a whirlwind of... Huh. <laughs> Isn't that a emotions Disneyland? Like a, yeah. Yeah, Disney ride. Emotional whirlwind. I think being a happy person means that you also are in equilibrium with your other emotions as well. And allowing yourself to feel other things besides happiness. So, before we go, I did want to ask you another question about ghosts. Ooh. What's an experience that you had that kind of made you... Well, first off, before you go into that, what is a ghost in your perspective? Um... As I said earlier... I feel like when we die, like energy or energy, soul, yeah. whatever you want to call it, is like sucked out of us. 
the spirit of a dead person. Basically, and I think the ghost is basically the energy of a dead person. Okay. And what is an experience that you had? Maybe not that you had. Perhaps an experience that you heard someone else having. Like, tell me a ghost story. Tell you a ghost story. Um, I mean, a lot of my, what I view as ghosts and like my spiritual concept comes from a huge YouTube, big YouTuber, Sam and Colby. Yeah. And watching their experiences has definitely helped. But I also, I mean, I feel like I'm a little bit of an empath. Yeah. Not empathetic, but an empath. So I feel things. I feel energies. And I think a big one was I, I mean, I went to a Nazarene school. So we went to like yeah. church and we were kind of not forced, but basically forced to go to like church. And there was this one on Wednesday nights where a bunch of kids would, a bunch of people in college would go to. And the amount of like energy in there, crazy. That's just example of empath being in a bath i felt like everything um but like with energies of spirits and stuff experience that i had um i mean just like i've had a lot of spiritual experience i don't know if they're really spiritual experiences so i don't know how to explain that without talking about a certain situation but i had a lot of spiritual experiences with a person but in reality, I don't think it was spiritual experiences. Um, I think it was just bad energy from them. But oh, you've asked for a ghost story. I'm like going on a tangent right now. <laughs> no, you're good. <laughs> um, I mean, when I was a kid, we lived in this house, and I'd have this like nightmare of something being in the basement. I think everyone, all kids have those kind of dreams. So, oh, yeah. yeah, I feel like you've had those dreams, but. I feel like this was different because even now I've been out of that house for over a decade. I still have like nightmares of being like down in there and having spiritual experiences down in the basement. Didn't you say like someone died in your house or something? Oh yeah. My when I first moved from to Idaho, we lived in my grandparents' house and my yeah. um great grandma died in my room. Mm definitely some spooky stuff happened there i had to get some weird ass feelings all the time yeah um i mean i've always been afraid of the dark <laughs> you haven't been afraid of the dark you've been afraid of what's in the dark yeah oh yeah i've always been afraid like walking in dark rooms or outside in the dark i'm not as afraid anymore but i used to be when i was young that's just because humans are afraid to accept that there's accept uh, accept that we don't know everything and we're afraid of the usually are afraid of the unknown. Well, yeah, and you never know if there might, I mean, not even paranormal things. There might just be like a murderer lurking in the dark. You know, you never know what's in the dark because you can't see it, <laughs> right? So it's like you you don't know. You can't see it, so you don't know what's there, and. You'd, it's kind of better to be afraid of what's there so that way you know if it comes you react to it and that's why i tell you you need to be afraid of demons and <laughs> not necessarily spirits i don't think i think spirits yeah. can have bad intentions but i don't think spirits are powerful enough to 
Actually, no, we're buying a we're buying a Ouija board tonight. Oh my gosh, no, we're not. <laughs> um, demons are a whole different ballgame than spirits, because demons were never human. Oh, I actually <laughs> didn't know that. Yeah, demons were. I've always been like like Satan, that kind of thing. Like they've always been. What is a demon, according to say like the Christian epoch? Oh gosh, I don't know what the say demons are but like i just think it's um i would say like an energy or spirit from hell basically is how i view it but they're able to like they're the ones that can possess and actually do shit to you so you don't think a ghost could possess you i don't think they have the power or the energy to and do you know what a poltergeist is I've heard about them. I've watched like people play that game where they're. I think it's actually called the game is called Poltergeist, where you're basically like a ghost hunter and you have to like catch the poltergeist. <laughs> um, or ghoul is ghoul the same as a poltergeist? You think we I could have look it up? No idea. Like that's what like is this... the difference. Are we getting close enough to Halloween where we can talk about this? Yeah, let's see. <laughs> let's go on Chat GBT for a second. Why not? I'll read it, Chat. GPT, I'm gonna ask him this. We got. I gotta log in. I could also got the dolly, so I can make text to. I do text to image stuff. Ooh, which is kind of cool. I bought it. Move. It was like fifteen dollars. <laughs> this is the first I've heard about it. <laughs> I just got it the other day. We can make a movie. Okay. Picture we'll movie updates. Okay. What is the difference between a ghost, demon, poltergeist? I think a poltergeist is kind of like a subcategory of a demon. I could be very wrong about that because I'm not I'm not a demonologist. Ghoul? How do you spell ghoul? G O U H L. G O U H L. I could be very wrong about that. I didn't go to school yep. to become a it's English G-H-O-U-L. Ghoul. Ghoul. And a ghoul. I feel like that word is being used a lot this Halloween season. It's on a lot of a lot of decorations. Okay, you ready? I'm gonna do some reading. Oh boy. I can see the okay. words. Those are a lot of words. A ghost is generally considered the spirit or soul of a de- Okay, ghost is easy. We'll skip that one. Demon. A demon is typically depicted as a malevolent supernatural being, often associated with evil or malevolent intent. Mm-hmm. In various mythologies and religious beliefs, demons are considered to be entities that oppose the forces of good or serve as tempters to lead individuals astray from righteous paths. They can be powerful and have distinct personalities and motives. Demons are commonly found in religious texts, folklore, and horror stories. So I guess like a demon isn't a specifically Christian thing. People no. believe in demons for since time immemorial. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, but obviously, in the modern day, they're when we see demons, related. they're always associated with Christianity. Yeah, because you need a priest to be able to like, yeah, expel the demon or whatever. Poltergeist. A poltergeist is a type of supernatural entity that is believed to be responsible for physical disturbances such as loud noises, 
objects moving or being thrown, and other chaotic events. Unlike traditional ghosts, poltergeists are not typically associated with the spirits of the deceased. Instead, they are often thought to be manifestations of psychokinetic energy or repressed emotions from living individuals, particularly adolescents or those experiencing emotional turmoil. That's terrifying, knowing you could, like... I have, I think from Sam, I actually think I heard from Sam and Colby that you can actually like create a poltergeist from yourself with your energy and stuff if you put enough like energy into it. Wow. Ghoul. A ghoul. A ghoul is a creature from various mythologies and folklores, often associated with graveyards and a taste for human flesh, particularly the flesh of the deceased. Ghouls are sometimes depicted as undead beings or monstrous creatures that prowl burial grounds consuming corpses. Commonly found in Middle Eastern and North African folklore. Alright, so a ghoul is totally nothing like a poltergeist. I feel like or a, a ghoul ghost. is just a zombie version of a ghost. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that would be crazy to create a poltergeist. I feel like I could do that. Let's <laughs> not do that. I'm not, not in the mood to deal with that. What? You don't want a poltergeist? I wonder if you can look up how to how to create a poltergeist. Oh my how gosh. to create a poltergeist. I feel like that in itself is tr- like putting energy into it that we probably shouldn't be putting energy into. Hey, if we can create one, we can get rid of one. Oh, <laughs> or so you think. It's basically okay. It's not as easy as Ghostbusters makes it out to be. Yeah. Who do you call? Well, if you think Man. about it, the huge marshmallow guy was probably a poltergeist. It's actually a poltergeist because they oh, yeah. they created it. Yeah. Well, I guess they chose it, but. No. Well, theoretically, if you can create a poltergeist to move objects, a poltergeist moves objects, creates disturbances, and if you can create poltergeists with your mind, that means that theoretically, you could also move things with your mind if you were to channel if you were to tame a poltergeist then you could then move objects with your mind more or less like we're one with the force yeah like a jedi yeah no that'd be sick (laughs) i mean i don't like fully believe the poltergeist exists but if they do um that would be Definitely something I would like to explore. <laughs> I think you're forgetting the point that you're basically creating like a, an energy that's doing this that has its own like concept of what it's doing. You're not creating a little pet that you get to control. Oh, come on. <laughs> come oh. on, let me have my... My Bob. Your Bob, is that what you'd name him? Yeah. It's so generic. Bob the Poltergeist. Oh, my Lord. Bob does whatever I want. I, For whatever reason, I'm imagining um, Bubble Boy, Bubble Man. from Is that what they were called in SpongeBob? SpongeBob, yeah. Well, that is kind of what my imaginary friend looked like. He looked like Bubble Man, whatever his name was. <laughs> A little, little fedora hat. Yeah. Oh, I love that. All right. Well, thank you for coming on the podcast. Yeah. We'll end it there and probably watch a movie or something and chill for the rest of the night. I'm down for that. And I appreciate you coming on. And that 
is my girlfriend Maddie, everyone. And thank you for listening. Take it easy. We got next Sunday, I'm coming out with a solo episode on symbolism and the self. Kind of talking about how symbols affect our consciousness and the way that we see our identity. So keep that in mind. And you, if you want to support the podcast, go to into-the-episode.com and grab yourself a copy of my fiction novel, The Man Who Killed God, if you're interested. Anyhow, take it easy.